Good morning. Uh, We're in John chapter 10 today, but before we read our passage from John 10, um, just listen to the words of Psalm 23. I'm sure many of you, most of you probably have this memorized, uh, but this is is, uh, a well-known and famous psalm for a reason, and it provides us a good lead-in, a good uh, introduction to our passage in John chapter 10. The 23rd psalm, often called the shepherd's psalm, says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I think this psalm gives us the perfect lead-in to our passage in John chapter 10, where Jesus gives this beautiful and and hopefully familiar statement, I am the good shepherd. And uh, this whole passage is about Jesus talking about true shepherds, false shepherds, sheep and their relationship with a shepherd. Um, So let's read that now. Uh, Now I'm in John chapter 10, starting in verse 1. I'll read all the way through verse 21 today. It says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, But the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal, and to kill, and to destroy. I have come that they may have life, and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling... He who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the sheep, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, with them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd." Therefore my Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my Father. Therefore there was a division again among the Jews because of these sayings, and many of them said, He has a demon, and is mad. Why do you listen to him? Others said, These are not the words of one who has a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? And that last verse, verse 21 kind of ties the whole thing back into chapter 9. Uh, and I think that context clue is important. But let's, let's pray, and then we'll get into some of this chapter. Jesus, 
you are the good shepherd and you say that your sheep know your voice. And we pray that as we look to your word, um, that we would have ears to hear. We would have ears to hear what the shepherd is saying to the sheep and that we would be inclined to obey, that you would incline our hearts towards obedience uh, and towards reverence and, and worship. And we pray that you would speak to your church through this passage in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so this is a passage, it's kind of, kind of long, and there's a lot of uh, single verses here that I could easily do series on, and it was very hard to decide how to uh, divide this section up. Um, so I'm going to do kind of an overview of, of the verse 21 verses. I'm going to hit on a few points, but maybe not all of them that are, are, are worth our time. This may uh, be a passage that deserves uh, a second go-round. But this passage leading up uh, to this beautiful statement in 11 and then verse 14, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Um, and we recall Psalm 23, which we, we um, opened up with, where it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And this could be... Uh, one of the many claims to deity that Christ makes in the Gospel of John. The Psalm says that the Lord is the shepherd. Jesus says, I am the shepherd. Now, in, or in order to get to that statement, uh, um, Jesus had to address the other shepherds, really the false shepherds of Israel, because in the minds of many, the, the, the role of shepherd was already taken, and they weren't taking applications at this time. Uh, the ones who uh, were leading the people of Israel, however, weren't shepherds at all. Rather, they are, as verse 1 identifies them, thieves and robbers. Now, this is a, a target to the Pharisees. The Pharisees who had just excommunicated a man who had been born blind, but then healed miraculously by Jesus on a Sabbath of his blindness. Now, remember chapter 9. Jesus healed this man, and because he healed him on the Sabbath, and because it was Jesus that was doing the healing, it became this big scandal. And the healed man... Uh, for for testing for testifying about Jesus that he was once blind but now he sees and and this man is from God and has authority and he is a Lord and I'm his disciple for all these reasons that the blind man the man formerly blind was cast out he was corporately shunned he was excommunicated and this was done by the shepherds of Israel throughout Israel's history its leaders were referred to as shepherds. King David is called the shepherd of his people, and the priests and the Levites are called shepherds, too. Just like the leaders of churches today are called pastors, which is really just the same word. Pastors and shepherds are the same thing. So Jesus, after he healed this man in chapter 9, he sees, he hears about him being cast out, excommunicated, excommunicated excuse me. Jesus goes and seeks him out, and, and then gives him another invitation and another revelation of the Son of God. He gives him an apocalypse, like we talked about last week. Jesus is an, an outsider. Um, he is now speaking to another person who has been cast out, and he's going to talk about which sheep are really on the inside and which is on the outside, and how they each got there and who the real shepherds are. Um, and now in addressing the false shepherds, Jesus is picking up on a theme that the prophets of Israel had harped on for centuries. Speaking truth to power is sort of the prophet's thing, and the ones who have been entrusted with the task of shepherding are in power and at risk of abusing it. And when they do, God raises up prophets to speak these hard messages. In Isaiah 56, God challenges Israel's irresponsible leaders by saying, they are shepherds who cannot understand they all look to their own way, everyone for his own gain, from his own territory. Shepherds that look 
for their own gain and not the safety and the well-being of the flock aren't really good shepherds. They're not even shepherds at all. That's what Jesus is getting at. There are people who uh, are among the flock but are actually thieves and robbers. Ezekiel also has a lot to say, both about the failed false shepherds and the true good shepherd, which we'll close up with at the end there. But I'm, I'm going to read a big section of scripture here. Uh, so it's probably a good idea, if you've got your Bibles in front of you, which you ought to, um, go ahead and turn in your Bibles with me to Ezekiel chapter 34. The heading for this chapter in, in some Bibles is Irresponsible Shepherds. So it kind of uh, gives it away. There's no burying the lead here. Uh, I believe that Jesus' message in John 10 is an intentional retelling of Ezekiel 34. Jesus knew the scriptures, of course. He, he kind of wrote them. And he knew what he was doing. So let's read this passage, Ezekiel 34, and verse 1. It says, And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God to the shepherds, Woe to the shepherds of Israel who feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? Now pause there. Uh, Jesus, or excuse me, God, calls Ezekiel son of man. We've talked about this before in John. And he gives the Son of Man a message to the shepherds of Israel, and the message is, Woe to you. Now, I shouldn't have to tell you, there's whole chapters of this in the New Testament, right? Uh, and Matthew and Luke record this at length, where Jesus says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. And the, the hypocrisy that the scribes and the Pharisees were, were saying, um, were, were displaying, where they were calling other people to a harsh righteousness while not actually uh, being righteous themselves. Ezekiel, the son of man, is prophesying against the shepherds of Israel, saying, Woe to you, because you, you, you're supposed to feed the flocks, but you're feeding yourself. You've got it all backwards. You've got it upside down. It's another kind of hypocrisy. Ezekiel 34, verse 3 says, You eat the fat and clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fatlings, but you do not feed the flock. Now, what does that sound like? A shepherd who eats the sheep and takes the wool for themselves, that's a thief, Right? That's a robber. Usually the shepherd doesn't own the sheep. They're hired. So they don't have authority to take from the flock. But these shepherds, they, they take from the flock. Verse 4. The weak you have not strengthened, nor have you healed those who were sick, nor bound up the broken, nor brought back what was driven away, nor sought what was lost. But with force and cruelty you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there were no shepherd. There was no shepherd. And they became food for all the beasts of the field when they were scattered. My sheep wandered through all the mountains and on every high hill. Yes, my flock was scattered over the whole face of the earth and no one was seeking or searching for them. Now, notice one thing in this uh, verse 6 of the Ezekiel passage. The Lord is saying, they're my sheep, they're my flock. You're the shepherds, but you're not the owners. These are my sheep. And this is the same sort of way that Christ talks about his role as shepherd. He says, they're, they're my sheep. They're my sheep and they know me. Now, again, remember what just happened in chapter 9. The shepherds of Israel intentionally cast out a sheep. The, the, the rebuke from Ezekiel is that the shepherds did not tend the weak. And that, that's exactly what we saw in chapter 9. Instead of bringing back what was driven away, the Pharisees, uh, the Pharisee shepherds, are driving away the weak and the sick and the lost. It says, with force and cruelty, you have ruled them. 
This is what Jesus says of the Pharisees in Matthew 23, 24, for they bind heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. It's why Jesus says, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. My burden is easy, my yoke is light. This is the true shepherd, contrasting his shepherding methods with the thieves and the robbers. Still in Ezekiel, verse 7, Ezekiel 34, verse 7, Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, says the Lord God, surely because my flock became a prey, and my flock became food for every beast of the field, because there was no shepherd, nor did my shepherds search for my flock, but the shepherds fed themselves and did not feed my flock, therefore, shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my flock at their hand. I will cause them to cease feeding the sheep, and the shepherds shall feed themselves no more. For I will deliver my flock from their mouths, that they may no longer be food for them. Now, had things changed since Ezekiel's days? You know, the Pharisees would have said so. Um, they, they would say that, you know, they would have listened to all the prophets. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 23. Matthew 23, 29. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! Because you build the tombs of the prophets and adorn the monuments of the righteous and say, if we had lived in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. Therefore, you are witnesses against yourselves that you are the sons of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up then the measure of your father's guilt. Serpents, brood of vipers, how can you escape the condemnation of hell? Therefore, indeed, I send you prophets, wise men and scribes. Some of them you will kill and crucify. And some of them you will scourge in your synagogues and persecute from city to city, that on you may come all the righteous blood shed on the earth, from the blood of the righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. Assuredly, I say to you, all these things will come upon this generation. Now, isn't that exactly what Ezekiel just said? I will require my flock at their hand. And Jesus is saying, all these things will come upon this generation. Judgment has come. Jesus is speaking in John chapter 10, saying, There are false shepherds, just like there were in Isaiah's day and in Ezekiel's day. But they're really thieves. They're not actually shepherds. They're robbers. Now, I've been saying both of those things. They're thieves and robbers. Right? Because that's what the verse says. Now, to us, that sounds a little bit redundant, doesn't it? Aren't they the same? Uh, well, I, I read this week that, that the thief, the word for thief, carries the idea of trickery, deception, craftiness. These are people who fooled other people into, to, to get themselves into the position of shepherd. Robbers, that word carries the idea of brute force, violence, and destruction. You know, I get to be in charge because I'm bigger and stronger than you. And some false shepherds appear to be good, but aren't others appear to be bad, but they're so powerful you can't do anything about it. Neither are good shepherds, and both have to get to the sheep without going through the door. And both were among the ranks of the Pharisees. And here's the thing that distinguishes thieves and robbers from the true shepherd. Other than the motive, which would be the main thing Isaiah and Ezekiel point out. You know, you're selfish. You don't care for the sheep. But Jesus says that the thing that distinguishes and divides between thief and shepherd is how they gain access to the sheep. Now, obviously, once the shepherd is slaughtering sheep and eating lamb chops and wearing nice wool suits, you would think that people could tell that's not a good shepherd. But Jesus knows, like we do, that sheep aren't always the brightest uh, th animals in the flock. Uh, Jesus says the real identifying factor, or perhaps the reason why they are thieves and not shepherds, is because of what method of entry they use to get into the sheep's pasture or pen. 
John 10, verse 1. We'll read this again. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. And then for the full picture here of these uh, people who climb over the fence, the full picture, look at verse 8, 9, and then part of 10. All whoever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. And then look at verse 12 and 13 as well. But a hireling, he is he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, seeks the wolf, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. These are all the negative descriptions of the imposters that called themselves shepherds but were not. This imagery of coming over the side and not through the gate is repeated in the Gospels. We think of the narrow way and the wide path leading to destruction. Um, you know, there, there's one way in, but then a lot of people think there's a lot of ways in. Jesus is saying you got to come through the door. Um, and I, I've said this before in other sermons. It's, it's really a, a strange thing that people wouldn't like doors. Jesus says, I'm the way, I'm the door, I'm the access point and the boundary. And people think that's exclusive. And then when they go to a building, they use the door to get in and they use the door to get out. We don't have a problem with this in other areas of, of life. Uh, Jesus says, I'm the door and I'm the shepherd. Now, what does a true shepherd look like? Um, we see the, these descriptions in this chapter as well. But before we get there, I want you to realize that Jesus is going to mix his metaphors here. And he's allowed to do that, I guess. He draws two pictures. And one is of himself as shepherd, and then the other is himself as door. Um, Peter calls Christ the chief shepherd. And Jesus, in verse 11, will say, I am the good shepherd. Psalm 23, we read, the Lord is my shepherd. Psalm 95 uh, we see that we are the sheep of his hand, the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. And in Ezekiel 34, which we'll return to at the end, we see God as the shepherd of his people. So let's look at this, uh, the descriptions of, of the real shepherd. Verse 2, But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, and they know, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Which is really telling, because he's saying, if you are my sheep, you'll hear my voice. And then they're saying, we can't hear you, we don't understand. Uh, revealing something about them more than anything about Christ. Jesus is describing the relationship that a real shepherd has with his sheep. It's one of familiarity and trust. This is what we have with Christ, if we are his sheep. We know his voice, we follow him, and he calls us by name. Jesus is again drawing from the Old Testament passages, Isaiah 43, verse 1, Fear not, for I have redeemed you, I have called you by your name, you are mine. The shepherd calls the sheep by name, and he's going to repeat his point here about how the sheep know the shepherd in verse 27, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. This is the first characteristic of a true shepherd. They say that if you really want to tell if you're, you know, someone is a leader, you just have to see if anyone's following them, right? The true shepherd is recognized by the sheep, and Jesus calls his disciples by name, and when he calls, his sheep answer. Now put this back in the context of chapter 9. With the blind man, there, there, was, there were false shepherds that questioned the man, ridiculed him, and eventually excommunicated him. But 
from the brief exchange that the blind man had with Jesus, he was able to say, this man is from God, and if he were a sinner, he wouldn't be able to do anything. And then when Jesus finds the man, a shepherd, seeking out the lost sheep, and tells the man, I am the son of God, the man responds as a sheep to a trusted shepherd. He says, I believe, and he worships him, which is a way of following the shepherd. God speaks, and we believe that God speaks, and we believe that his sheep hear his voice, and that the Lord hasn't stopped speaking, and his sheep haven't stopped hearing. Um, that, that he still reaches out and calls his people to himself by name. And, and I know that that by itself can make uh, some people uncomfortable, because uh, we all know that person that said, well, God told me so-and-so, and the thi and the the thing that God told them is totally crazy and doesn't match up with scripture and you worry about their sanity and their soul. And you know the kinds of things that I'm talking about. And we've seen abuses maybe of this kind of thing where someone says something and calls it prophetic. And when you say, how do you know that was the Lord? They just say, well, he says my sheep hear my voice and I'm a sheep. So I heard. So there you go. It's in a proof text. And now again, we believe that God speaks to his children. And we believe that the sheep hear the shepherd. But I want to show you, in this context, where the shepherd calls the sheep. Look at verse 4 again. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. The primary call of the shepherd to his sheep, and we see this in Jesus' interaction with the disciples, is what? The primary call of the shepherd is this. Follow me. That's it. That's what the call of the shepherd is. A shepherd doesn't train the sheep to do tricks. He doesn't tell sheep to jump through hoops and go through obstacle courses. He simply trains the sheep to stay close to him. There's a reason why he uses the metaphor of sheep and not sheepdogs. Sheepdogs are smart. Maybe in the pursuit of hearing God's voice, which we should long to do, and we should uh, exercise our souls um, tuning, tuning our ears to, to hear the voice of God. We, but in pursuing that, perhaps we should examine our own priorities and ask ourselves what it is we want to hear. Because while we read passages like this that say, my sheep know my voice, and then we cry out, then why won't you tell me uh, the specific details about my life for next weekend? You know, he's saying, what does the Lord require of you? Do justice, love mercy, walk humbly with your God. Be with me, walk with your God. This is always what the shepherd calls the sheep to. And it really is only when we realize that the call is always towards him that even the valley of the shadow of death will be no cause for fear. How does that verse go? I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. It's his presence that he calls us to. This is what his sheep hear. And yes, God speaks very specifically sometimes and calls people to very specific things sometimes, but the more consistent call of the shepherd is, come be with me. Follow me. When Jesus starts talking about the door, which he'll explain is actually himself, he's talking about um, both an access point and a boundary, but he's talking about an exit. Now, I know the doors work both ways, and he says the sheep will go in and go out, but, but initially, um, he says that, that the door there is, is to leave through. Um, you know, and, 
And we, we think of doors usually as, as the way to heaven, right? Because Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And we think of Jesus as the door to eternal life. And of course he is. But in this story in John 10, he's talking primarily about leaving. Look at verse 3. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Why do the sheep even need a shepherd in the first place? Why wouldn't a good fence do the trick? Because the shepherd leads the sheep out of the safety of the pen and into the world where they are both at risk um, and where they have access to the things they need. He leads them beside still waters. There weren't any streams back in the barn. He leads them through the valley of the shadow of death as well. But you know what? The sheep fear no evil because the shepherd is with them. Verse 9 says that when they go through the door, which is Christ, will go in and out and find pasture. The pasture is outside the pen. The good stuff is outside the fence. So you have to realize this. As a sheep who knows the shepherd's voice, you're not only going to be called to the shepherd for comfort, for protection, for intimacy. If you stay close to the shepherd, you're, you'll also find that Jesus goes to some really crazy places and he's still calling you with him there. Uh, you're going you're gonna to go where the shepherd goes, through the valley. And Jesus would tell his disciples, they hated me first, so don't be so surprised when they hate you too. In chapter 9, Jesus encountered a, a, a sheep, a blind sheep, a lost sheep, and he calls him from darkness into light, from blindness into seeing. But that call led to his excommunication. And his excommunication led him to another interaction with Christ. The shepherd calls us to himself, first and foremost, always, and he never calls us anywhere else. But he goes out, and he brings us with him. Out of darkness into light, out of death into life. The false shepherds didn't do any of this. They might send a sheep away, but again, that's not very shepherdly, you know? Now, there's a few other characteristics of the good shepherd here that we can see and we can worship around rejoice, and he speaks to the sheep. We've seen that he goes before the sheep, he leads us, he guides us, he knows us by name, but, but the big one, and this is really where Jesus elevates the conversation, is that the shepherd, the true shepherd, and only the true shepherd, gives his life for the sheep. Verse 11 through 16, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know my Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep, and the other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd." Now, Jesus is being uh, clear here with this metaphor, as clear as you can be with a metaphor, which is kind of unclear sometimes. He's the shepherd, but everyone would know when he's saying this, he's not a shepherd of actual sheep. Just like he calls Peter to be a fisherman, but not of fish. Jesus wasn't a shepherd. He was a carpenter and a rabbi. So when he's talking about sheep, they should be able to follow him. He's talking about people, right? You should be, that shouldn't be a leap for anyone to understand. And when he says that the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep, they should be able to connect the dots. Jesus says he is giving his life for them. Now, if they were taking things literally, only literally, uh, they, they would see this as a little bit overdramatic. I mean, a shepherd might take risks for a sheep, but you have a hard time finding a shepherd that would give his life for the life of a, a sheep, right? Would that be worth it? Is the sheep's life 
worth the life of the shepherd? We would ask, is my life worth the life of the Son of God? The math doesn't check out. And when the disciples and the others heard Jesus say that the good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep, they would have thought, that's a bit extreme, don't you think? And I can imagine Jesus responding, yes, exactly. Now, it's the shepherd's job to keep the sheep and feed the sheep, but it's not like the shepherd has to love the sheep. But Jesus says, I'm a really good shepherd. I'm not paid to do this. I'm not a hireling. I'm not in it for the, the money. I'm in it for my sheep. I lay my life down for my sheep. And verse 17 again says, Therefore my Father loves me, because I lay down my life, but I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my Father. And we'll talk about these verses again later in John, when Jesus is standing before Pilate. We'll come back to this passage. But now when he says that he has those who are not of this fold earlier, ultimately he's talking about Gentiles. Elsewhere in the Gospels he says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel, and that's during his ministry on earth, and then after his ascension he sends the apostles to every nation and says, and I'm with you when you go. But, but there are many boundaries in society. Ultimately the interpretation is Gentiles, and there's going to be one fold, and it's Jew and Gentile, and you can look at Ephesians and Romans for the theological... Um, expounding on all those truths. Um, but there, just as there's one interpretation, there's many, many applications. And Jesus is saying, I've got other boundaries to cross, other national boundaries to cross. But already, what within his nation, he's crossing boundaries of society. And, and you know, what had just happened in chapter 9, the blind man was healed. He wasn't in the fold with the rich or the influential or even the middle class. He was an outsider and Jesus healed him. And then what? They excommunicate the healed man for saying that Jesus was a prophet from God and one who must be followed. So again, someone is cast off. He's outside the fold, but Jesus welcomes him back in. Jesus claims authority over the Jewish leaders that excommunicate, over the false shepherds, the thieves and robbers posing as shepherds. He says, oh, you're going you're gonna to cast sheep out. You're going to go and the sheep are going to be hungry and they're going to be on the mountains and they're going to be lost. Well, watch out. I'm a really good shepherd. And I bring these sheep back in. And, and this whole passage kind of hints at the judgment on the thieves and robbers that were the Pharisees while simultaneously welcoming the sheep who would know their shepherd's voice. And I'm just going to finish off here by reading the next passage from Ezekiel 34, you know, which we started earlier, but I'll pick it up. Ezekiel 34, verse 11. Listen to this. It says, For thus says the Lord God, Indeed, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. And this is what Jesus is doing in John 10. As a shepherd seeks out his flock on the day he is among his scattered sheep, so will I seek out my sheep and deliver them from all the places where they were scattered on a cloudy and dark day. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them to their own land. I will feed them on the mountain of Israel in the valleys and in all the inhabited places in the country. I will feed them in good pasture and their fold shall be on the high mountains of Israel. There they shall lie down in a good fold and feed in rich pasture in the mountains of Israel. I will feed my flock, and I will make them lie down, says the Lord God. I will seek what was lost and bring back what was driven away, bind up the broken, and strengthen what was sick. But I will destroy the fat and strong and feed them in judgment. And then at the end of that chapter in Ezekiel, verse 31, it says, You are my flock, the flock of my pasture. You are men, and I am your God, says the Lord God.
Jesus is our shepherd. And he makes this promise to us in verse 10. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Jesus, your good shepherd, calls you first to himself. And as you are near him, he'll call you out of the pen to still waters and to green pastures and also through the valley of the shadow of death where you will fear no evil because he's with you. And our response to all of this must be that of 1 Peter 2 verse 25. Peter writes, For you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Praise the Lord that we have someone like Jesus who cares for the souls of sheep like us. Let's pray. Lord God, we rejoice that we are a part of your fold. We rejoice that you're a good shepherd. Uh, we thank you that, um, that you've called us to a, a humble state. And we pray with the psalmist. We haven't set our minds on things too lofty for us. We're content just to sit here with you. We're content to be silent in your presence. We're just sheep, but you're a great shepherd. We thank you, Jesus, that you've laid down your life for your sheep. And just as the math for that doesn't check out, um, it seems like an exaggerated, extravagant show of love and grace towards sheep. And it is. And we rejoice in it and thank you for it and we're humbled by it. Pray that you would bless your church, bless our understanding of these spiritual things. In Jesus' name, amen.